Hi, my name is Chris Bell. I'm the lead pastor at Three Circle Church. And wherever you are right now, from wherever you are joining us, maybe on your back porch, maybe on a boat, uh, maybe you're hanging out at a ball field waiting on a ball game, uh, maybe you're somewhere across the globe and you've decided to join us today, I want to thank you and welcome you to the kickoff to the Stir Crazy series. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever felt confined like you just couldn't get out of uh, maybe a physical place, but maybe uh, other ways of confinement as well. Certainly, there is a claustrophobia that can happen when you're stuck in a tight spot. My wife is very claustrophobic. She cannot stand going through tight spaces. We have uh, this hike that we like to take in, in the Gatlinburg, Smoky Mountain area, and there's this part of the hike where you have to go through this really tight little tunnel piece to get to where you're going, and it's always really hard for her uh, to get through that because she feels so confined, and just immediately she gets a little stir-crazy. And when I say the word stir-crazy, I think we all can relate, right, because literally all over the world for the past year, We've been dealing with a global pandemic that we're just starting to come out of just a bit. We're just starting to be able to have more freedom to move around and do our thing. But I think we have all felt stir-crazy at times, right? Whether it's the feeling of a mask over your face or just not being able to go to your favorite restaurants or do the activities you like to do. Uh, we have all went a little stir-crazy. And, and the question is this, because I can guarantee this. Even though we're coming on the back end, hopefully, of this global pandemic, I guarantee you, you're going to feel stir-crazy again. It's a part of life. There are times in life where we just feel stuck. And the question is, what do you do when you feel stuck, especially if you are a believer? What should Christians do when they feel stuck? Now, this series is going to be all about how we honor God, how we glorify God, even when we feel stuck. Now, of course, there is the physicality of being stuck, right, of, of, of feeling stir-crazy, like when you're in a tight room or a tight space. But there are other ways that you can feel stir-crazy. There are other ways to be stuck. There are ways that you can become stuck financially, and you can feel confined and get a little financially stir-crazy. You can feel stuck in a relationship. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship, or maybe it's one that, that you just wish would improve or be different, and you feel stuck. Or maybe you feel stuck in a health crisis or situation that you are in that, that may be prolonged, maybe it's chronic in nature, and you feel so locked in, you feel imprisoned in it. There are so many ways that we as humans can feel confined and feel imprisoned. Well, during this series, we're going to look at a way that the Bible teaches us that we can honor God, glorify God, and even greater than that, uh, well, not greater than that, but different than that, we can have joy. So it doesn't get any better than glorifying God. But, but there is a byproduct to learning to glorify God when you feel stuck, and it's this. It's that we can have joy in the middle of being stuck, in the middle of our confinement. So as Christians, how should we handle being stuck? That's what we're going to find out during this series. So join us for the next three weeks as we dive into the book of Philippians, the life of the Apostle Paul, as he teaches us, how to honor and glorify God when we feel stuck.
So how do we honor and glorify God when we feel stuck? Because we all have, and maybe you feel stuck right now. Maybe you feel stuck in a job. Maybe you feel stuck in a relationship. Maybe you feel stuck in a financial situation. There's nothing worse. Maybe you are literally confined. Maybe a health crisis. or Maybe you're at, at, a, at a moment in your life where literally you're, you're in a bed trying to recover from something. Or maybe you're just feeling down. And, and maybe mentally you feel imprisoned in, in a prison of anxiety or depression. There's so many ways we can be stuck. Well, the Apostle Paul is going to teach us because the Apostle Paul spent a whole bunch of his life being stuck. The Apostle Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament, all those great missionary journeys that we hear about him, and he looks like a guy that's moving around all the time. And indeed, he did move around a lot. He planted a whole bunch of churches, went on a whole bunch of trips. But one thing that cannot be ignored about the life of the Apostle Paul is he spent a great deal of it being stuck. He wasn't just moving. He was also stopping a lot, right? Because he was imprisoned for a large amount of time. And while he was in prison, Paul wrote what we call uh, the prison epistles. And these epistles were these letters that he wrote to the churches that he had planted. And the one we're going to focus on during the Stir Crazy series for the next three weeks is we're going to look in the book of Philippians. In the book of Philippians, Paul wrote this letter to this church that he had been a part of planting. In fact, uh, the church of Philippians was in the city of Philippi. And amazingly, when Paul planted this church, when he did this, when he brought the gospel to that area, it was the first what we know as European geographical area church. It was the first time the gospel went to what would be modern-day Europe in Philippi. And this became an important church. And it's very clear that Paul loved this church. So he would plant churches and he would put pastors and leaders in place and then he would move on. Well, what has happened here is Paul has been imprisoned. And he's been in prison for preaching the gospel. Now, if you know anything about Paul, he was also a Roman citizen. Uh, so he kind of had dual citizenship. Like he's a Jewish man, he's a Jewish guy, and he's also a Roman citizen. And that is an interesting combination. Well, Paul is waiting. He has requested legally through their legal system. He has requested an audience with the Caesar. Okay, He wants to go all the way to the top to, to get his freedom and to be able to continue to preach the gospel. And he feels like he's been wrongly in prison. And, and he's right about that. So what we get as we study the book of Philippians is the Apostle Paul, who was used to moving around, used to being a go-getter. He's a driven guy. He didn't want to sit around. But yet he is in chains. He's in prison. And, and in the Philippian jail, you need to know, too, that he is, he is literally chained 24 hours a day to a guard. And they would take shifts. And we'll talk a little more about that in a few moments. But the scripture that comes to mind in the beginning is to understand this verse from Psalm 37, 23 through 24. This verse was true for the Apostle Paul. And it's true for all of us when we feel stir-crazy. Look what it says. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. Now, this is a great verse because it says when we walk with God, when we belong to God, our steps in life, the, the movement of our life is ordered by him. But I want you to know that this verse doesn't just mean movement. It also means a lack of movement is also ordered by the Lord. We would say it like this. When we walk with God, our starts and our stops are ordered by the Lord. And Paul had to learn this. Paul was led by God to go to different places on his missionary journeys. There were times when Paul was headed to one spot and God would steer him in, in another direction. And he was always listening to him. But in the book of Philippians, we get to see firsthand 
that Paul also was willing to trust God when God said stop. This is an important verse for you to remember. When you, for you to remember as a Christian, when you feel stuck, when you feel stir-crazy, to understand that God is sovereign over your starts and your stops. God is sovereign over the circumstances in your life, and He either allows or orchestrates them for your good and His glory. Now, we really want this verse to be driven deep into your heart. So right now, I want you to hear a song that's going to help you never forget the verse we just read that we're going to watch the Apostle Paul model for us. God orders our steps, and He orders our starts and stops. He's sovereign over it. Listen to this song right now. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, though he fall, he shall not be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. So I hope that that song will help the words of that beautiful passage, those verses from the book of Psalms. 
that it will that it will drive it down into your heart, that it will help you never forget it because it's very encouraging to know that God is sovereign over all of those things. So what we're going to do each week is we're going to go into the book of Philippians and the Apostle Paul is going to teach us his secret to being able to stay positive, to glorify God and honor God while he was in prison. While he could have gone stir crazy, instead he was faithful. Instead he stayed healthy in his heart and his mind. Instead he stayed joyful. Isn't it ironic that what we consider the joy book of the Bible, the Bible that's the, the most about joy, Paul wrote while he was in prison. It's pretty amazing. So each week what we're going to do is we're going to look at the secret that I'm about to teach you that Paul had that helped him through it, that you and I need to learn from him. But then each week, after we are reminded of this kind of canopy over this series, Paul's uh, secret to making it through and to honoring God when you go and stir crazy. We're going to then see the results of uh, him implementing the secret that he had that's plain in Scripture for us. So we're going to see three different major results that happen when we do uh, the getting stuck part of our life, when we do it God's way and when we trust him. So what's the secret? What's the secret that Paul had that helped him honor God and glorify God and stay joyful and stay positive and be used by God even when he was stuck. He could have went stir crazy. Instead, he took another, another route. He made a different choice. And what is his secret? Here it is. It's the word perspective. It's the power of perspective. The reason Paul could honor and glorify God in the prison is because of his perspective while he was in the prison. And he's going to teach us that in the book of Philippians. So now, let's go to this amazing letter that he wrote to the Philippians and let's take a look at the power of perspective. So the power of perspective is the secret that Paul had that he teaches to us, that he taught the church in Philippi as he wrote them this letter. And, and because it's a part of the Word of God, we get it 2,000 years later. We get to be reminded that we have a different choice to make. When we're stuck, we don't have to go stir crazy. We can actually uh, honor God and glorify God when we are stuck by using biblical perspective, the power of perspective. I heard a story once about a kid. And this little kid was out in his backyard and he was tossing a baseball up in the air. And his mom walked out the back door and is standing on the porch watching him throw this baseball in the air. And he looks at her and he says, hey, mom, I am the greatest hitter in the world. And she said, oh, really? He said, yeah, watch this. And the little boy threw the ball up in the air, took a big swing, and he missed. Well, he looks at his mom and he said, I'm telling you, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. He picks the ball up again, throws it up in the air, and even bigger swing, misses. He's not even close to the ball. A third time, the little boy declares, I'm the greatest hitter in the world, Mom. Throws the ball up in the air, the biggest swing he has taken yet, and he misses again, and the ball hits the ground. Well, the little boy stands there holding the ball in his hand, and he's smiling from ear to ear. So his mom said, hey, buddy, why are you so happy? You said you're the best hitter in the world and you missed the ball three times. The little boy looked at his mom and he said, no, mom, uh, what I just proved to you is I'm actually the best pitcher in the world. You see, that, my friends, is perspective. That little boy really helps us understand. It's all in how you look at it. He could have either said, man, actually, I'm the worst hitter in the world, or he could look at it and go, you know what? I just discovered I'm a really good pitcher because I could not touch the ball when I pitched it to myself. 
Now, you and I need to learn to have a proper perspective. And biblical perspective is not escapism. Biblical perspective is not acting like prison isn't tough. Paul never says that he likes prison. He never talks about how wonderful prison is. And so I want you to understand up front, this series is not about you just being a positive thinker. No, the Bible is much more rich and much more substantive than that. You need to understand that the scriptures teach us how to handle tough situations without ignoring the situation. While we are in the situation, we can be joyful. So let's go to the Bible and see how Paul teaches us to do just that. Because perspective is important and we need to view things through a biblical lens. Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6-8. through 8. It says this, do not be anxious about anything. This is Paul writing to the Philippians and to us, all of us people who can be stir crazy. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, that's easier said than done, Paul. So he follows it up. He says, but, so instead, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Philippians 4, 6-8. through 8. Now, let's take a few moments to unpack these incredible words from the Apostle Paul. So as we look at those powerful words from the Apostle Paul to the church of Philippi in the book of Philippians, we realize that Paul sees things differently than most people would. He's imprisoned in Rome, and let me tell you, he never talks about his circumstances and how rough they are, but we know from history that this was not a pretty picture. He is confined. He is chained to a guard 24-7. Uh, they, they get to change out by shifts. They're doing shift work, so they're with him for a certain amount of time, four times a day. They switch it out. But Paul, he's stuck. And he's a guy who likes to be on the go, as most of us are, and he is stuck. But yet, Paul has a different viewpoint. He has the power of perspective, and perspective is very important to understand. See, human beings, we are not just information processors. You're not just a computer. You don't just process information. You have an angle on it because you're a human. You have personality. You have volition, what we call it. You can make decisions. You are made in the image of God. You're not just a machine, which means you have a way of looking at things. You have a viewpoint. You have a perspective. But because you and I, all of us, are fallen sinners apart from Christ, if you don't let Jesus give you a new viewpoint, you will see the world and your circumstances and your confinement and the prisons we end up in. And by prison, I don't mean a physical prison like Paul because most of us won't end up in one of those. But, but most of us will at times feel stir-crazy by our circumstances and what we deal with. And it's all in how you view it. And God wants to change every part of us, including giving us a new viewpoint. It is clear that the Apostle Paul had a very powerful perspective, a biblical perspective. It reminds me of the technology behind polarized sunglasses. Now, I have here uh, this, this brand that's being made in our uh, recording area where we have our physical campuses. We are on the Gulf Coast uh, here in Alabama, and then we have a campus that's just a little bit north, but it's still considered coastal Alabama in Thomasville, Alabama. So we're all down here on the coast, and we're familiar with the Gulf Coast. And these are Mayho sunglasses, M-A-H-O. And they're really cool because they're, they're designed and made in Orange Beach, Alabama, right here in our area, in our backyard. And these are really cool glasses because they're handmade. 
And they, they're, man, they're winning all kinds of awards. And, and this pair I'm holding, they are polarized. And so what's cool about polarized sunglasses, I started looking at them uh, and into the technology behind it. So when, when they say polarized, these glasses, if I put them on, will help me see things more clearly. And also they'll help me see things I just simply could not see otherwise. If you put these on, it changes your perspective. Now, why are polarized lens uh, so good? Why do they change everything? Well, I want you to understand the technology. When you look it up, you realize that polarized technology removes all of the horizontal light from getting to your eyes, but allows only vertical light to get to your eyes. Now, let me say that again. Polarized technology keeps the horizontal from getting to your eyes and only allows you to see vertical. And because of that, it removes what we'll call visual distraction and it enhances clarity and also enhances the depth at which you can see. Pretty amazing, right? What I would say to you is that the Apostle Paul had a polarized type of lens that he was seeing the world through, and it was a biblical lens. God wants to help you see things differently. Years ago, my wife and I got to go out west to go fly fishing, but before she got to go with me, the year or two before that, I went with some guys fly fishing out west. And one thing they told me is that I had to have polarized sunglasses because when you're fly fishing out west, you're fishing topwater and the bait is sitting on top of the water floating down and the fish comes from up under and attacks the bait up top. But you need to be a step ahead of those fish to pull the line right and to be prepared. Well, without polarized sunglasses, just with your own naked eye or with a pair of unpolarized glasses, you, you cannot see below the surface. The light hitting the water, it, it totally makes it to where you can't see below the surface of the water at all. But when you put on a pair of polarized sunglasses out west while you're fly fishing, suddenly you can see several feet underneath the water, which becomes very important because the fish I could not see before, now I could see them coming before they ever got to my, my, my bait, my topwater fly, so that I was prepared to make the right pull and get my, my fish in the boat, all right? Very important to understand. I learned a big lesson about the importance, watch this, of the lens through which I'm looking when I go fishing. And I want you to know today, I can't tell you how important it is, the lens that you look through. So let me ask you that question right now. What is your perspective? What lens do you look through when you look at the world around you? Is it a Christian lens? Is it a biblical lens? Or do you look through the lens of negativity? Or do you look through the lens of self-centeredness? It's all about you. Or do you look through the lens of uh, uh, only the bad things that can happen? Or, or do you look through a biblical lens? And what you're going to find is the biblical lens that Paul was looking through begins to help you see fish in the water you couldn't see before, if you will. You begin to see possibilities. You begin to see, watch this, the biblical lens will lead you to see obstacles as opportunities. And that is what the Apostle Paul teaches us here. So let's dive into these important verses and learn a little more about it. First of all, he says, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray. Let me just boil down what he's saying here. The Bible teaches us as Christians, when we feel anxious, stir crazy, worry about nothing, pray about everything. Very important for us to understand that. Our prayer life is very important. You simply cannot do this on your own. You need God to give you a new viewpoint. You're not going to develop that on your own. Your time in the Word of God and your time in prayer to God is how you develop a new lens, a new polarized way, if you will, of looking at things. You will not get that clarity on your own. You're going to have to be disciplined to go to God in prayer and in the Word of God. There's a result. 
When I put these on, when I put my biblical lens on to see the world around me, when I feel stir crazy and I turn to God, there's a result of that. When I pray, when I trust him, the Bible says he will guard my heart and my mind. See, it's your inner person that gets stir crazy, right? It's your, it's your anxiety. It's inside. It's the inner person, the heart, the mind, the soul, as the Bible will describe it. That's where stir crazy happens when you get stuck. And the Bible tells us that if we'll turn to God in our confinement, when we feel imprisoned by the circumstances of life, He will guard that part of us that gets stir crazy, our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And then He gives us something to do. He says, so if you want to put on a new lens, God, you're going to have to trust God. But there is something you can do. He says you need to change what you think about. You need that new viewpoint. He says, think about things that are, in other words, godly. He gives you a list of things here. Think about the good things. Think about the things that God's doing in your life. Think about the things that He has done, His faithfulness. So I would ask you today, what are you looking at the world through? What glasses are you using? What are you thinking about right now in your life, in your circumstances that you find yourself in? I want to tell you today, it's so important that you get a biblical perspective. So as we look at Paul's powerful words, it's pretty clear that he had a unique way of looking at things. He had a perspective, a godly perspective, just like polarized glasses. Paul, because he had a biblical perspective, watch this, the horizontal things that could have distracted him, like the, uh, the toughness of being in that prison, the guards guarding him every day, the not knowing if he would ever get an audience with the Caesar, not knowing where this was going to end up. It could end up with his execution. Would he ever get out? All of the things, persecution among the churches that he had planted, all of those things that could have been a distraction, he blocked those out. His, pers- his biblical perspective blocked out the horizontal, watch this, and allowed the vertical to come in. He was hearing from God vertically. God was showing him what he needed to see. And we're going to see there's three big results of that. We're going to look at them each week. But today we're going to look at the first one. And what happened? What happened? What did Paul see through his biblical lens uh, that changed his posture and his attitude in that prison to an attitude of joy. What was it? The first one is this. He learned that sometimes when you get stuck, when God orchestrates, you're stuck. When God puts you in the confinement, when he allows that to happen, guess what can happen? It can grow the kingdom. Sometimes Christians, when they get stuck, it can actually grow the kingdom. So when we look at life our circumstances, our confinement, the things that can make us stir crazy. When we look at it through the lens of the Scriptures and, and who God is, when we allow the vertical light to come in and we block out the horizontal, we can see that our being stuck, our confinement, actually can be used by God to advance and grow the kingdom. And the Bible tells us that that should be something that develops in the life of a Christian. If you walk with God, you will begin to want His kingdom to grow and advance. That's why Jesus said we need to learn to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And one of the things that gets added when you seek first the kingdom is the way you look at the world. You begin to see that the world's not just about you. You're a part of something bigger. You're a part of the kingdom. Jesus, when he prayed and taught us how to pray, he said, pray that God's kingdom would come. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So one thing that we want to see in our lives as Christians, as we mature, as we grow up, as we stop being immature, as we stop looking at the world through a selfish lens, we start seeing it through a kingdom lens, we begin to go, oh man, God can actually use anything in my life to advance the kingdom of God. And Paul saw that. Let's look at Philippians 1, 12 through 13. 
Paul said this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, watch this, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now there's that lens we're talking about. Look at how Paul views his imprisonment. Look at how he's seeing his circumstances. He could easily be down and depressed and anxious about it. He could easily be mad about it. There's injustice involved. He is wrongly put in prison. He is a Roman Roman citizen. So, So there's so many things going on here. And yet Paul says, hey, I want you to know. Now remember, he's writing to the church of Philippi and they love him. And they're concerned. They're worried about him. They're wondering, is he getting beat up in there? And he probably is. Are they taking care of him? I bet he's losing. I bet he's going stir crazy. And he writes him a letter and he says, I know you want to know how I am. I want you to know that I figured something out. I figured out that this has happened to me for the advancement of the gospel. Look, Paul saw his prison as a mission field. And you and I as Christians have to do that. That's the lens we need to look through. The first thing you need to do is see every circumstance in your life as a potential mission field for you. That means that the job you're at that you just want out of so bad, you need to begin to look at it through a biblical lens and ask yourself, does God want to use me being here in this tough situation to advance the kingdom, to grow the kingdom of God? Who is God going to use you to reach while you are there? It's important to notice that Paul never in the book of Philippians talks about how bad the prison is, and it was bad. He does not complain about the food or the lack of. He does not complain about the physical treatment he's probably getting. He could have been sick in in this imprisonment. So he never complains. He never talks about that. He also never tells them, hey, get me out of here. None None of that. No, instead, he is focused on what God is doing while he is in the prison. He also says this. He says, this is being used to advance the gospel. That word advance is a military term. It's a military engineering term. In the ancient world where this word came from, what they would do is they would advance. And advance doesn't just mean the movement of troops in an army. The advance group was basically their version of engineers. They would go ahead of an army and they would prepare the roads. And in, in particular, the word usage here by the Apostle Paul means the removing of obstacles. Uh, David Jeremiah, in one of his commentaries, really helps us understand this and, and understand the meaning of this word. So when Paul says, God's actually using me being in prison to advance the gospel, what he's being very specific about is he's saying, hey, God is actually using my circumstances to clear the road for the gospel. There's obstacles in the way and he's removing them so that the kingdom can grow and the gospel can advance. Now, let me ask you this. As we learn to look at life the way Paul does, how can God use you in your circumstances right now that maybe you feel stuck in? Have you thought about the fact that God might, could use you there? That God could use your situation to advance the kingdom of God. Paul also uses this phrase. He says, this thing that has happened to me But then he quickly changes that to, it has a purpose. Notice Paul Paul could quickly fall into, if he allowed himself, into that mentality that many of us have that we are victims. That victim mentality. This happened to me. And Paul says, hey, this thing that happened to me, I know everyone thinks this calamity has come upon me. He says, actually, there's a purpose behind it. 
And this is important. Again, it's the lens. It's the polarized lens. You and I have to learn as Christians to see our circumstances differently and understand that if we're believers, we believe that God is sovereign over all things. There is, watch this, there is a purpose for our prisons. There is a purpose in our pain. God has a plan in our lives. And there, listen, things aren't just swirling around randomly. If you're a Christian and you're walking with God, God is sovereign over these things. And that's important. It's important for you today to know that Paul could see that there was a purpose for what he was going through in prison. And there's a purpose for what's going on in your life. And you may not see it in the moment. Paul is seeing. He can see it. That's why he's writing the Philippians. He's saying, I can see because of my viewpoint. When I was out west fishing, I could see the fish underneath the water that without the glasses, I would have never seen them coming. And you understand that if you have a worldly perspective, a selfish perspective, a humanistic perspective, you will not be able to see what God's up to. But the, the lens of the gospel, the lens of the word of God, the lens of prayer in your life will enable you to see things that God's doing. And watch this, and that leads to joy. That's why Paul was happy in the book of Philippians because God was letting him see stuff that's going on. On that boat going down that river out west, Without, when I would take the polarized sunglasses off, it's kind of boring. I mean, it's beautiful, but after a while, it's like it's just water running by. Are there any fish out there? But man, when I put the polarized glasses on, boom, there they are. You can literally see them under the water. It becomes so exciting. That is how life with Christ has to be. This is an adventure we're on, but it's a tough one. And when you get stuck, it's so easy to go down the road of, woe is me. Look, his, what, look at what has happened to me. Paul had this perspective because of the Bible, because of truth, because of the gospel, because of his prayer life, he had this perspective that no, God is going to use me while I am here. Interestingly enough, just like out west for me, Paul can now see what God is up to. And it's interesting, again, David Jeremiah, great theologian and teacher, points out in one of his commentaries that the apostle Paul, if you add it up, he was in prison when he's Roman imprisonment and he's writing these epistles, he was there for about two years. If you add up the shifts, because every few hours, every four hours, I think, or four times a day, they would change the guard that's attached to him, right? This gave him 3,000 unique opportunities over a two-year period to witness Christ to people he would have never, ever had an audience with otherwise. See, sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, hey, Chris, please pray that God will get me out of this job I'm in because I'm around so many people who are far from God and they use bad language and they say bad things and they do bad things and I want to just work with Christians. And I always, I always tell them, man, maybe you need to ask what God wants to do in your life while you were there. Why would God remove you from there when he may want to turn that into a mission field? Don't miss what God has for you. So Paul obviously teaches us in this first week that if we will put on the lens of Scripture, the lens of truth, the lens of the gospel, we can see all of these possibilities in our prisons. And we all have them. We've all felt stuck. We're all going to feel stuck again. And we have a choice to make as Christians. Will we go stir crazy or will we put on the lens and see our situation through the eyes of the Lord? And, and this can happen for all of us. And when we do, maybe we see opportunities the way Paul did. 
Maybe we go, no, man, God wants to use me right now. With my... so, so if you're sick, how can God use you while you're sick? If you uh, are in a tough job, well, how can God use you while you're in that tough job? Are you in a tough relationship? Well, how could God use you while you are there? The first thing we see here is that God used Paul in that prison to reach people for Jesus that he would have never reached otherwise. We're talking pagan people, far from God people, Romans who were superstitious, believed in all kinds of gods. We're being introduced to the living God because they are, by God's design, coming in and talking to Paul and spending time with him every single day. In fact, he says his influence has now uh, reached the entire imperial guard. This means that he is literally infiltrating uh, this entire place. That's what's happening here. It's pretty amazing how God is using Paul in the prison. And you and I can have that same type of lens to see the world through. We can have godly perspective that helps us see that God could use our tough spots, our anxious moments, our difficult situations. He could use them actually to grow and advance the kingdom. So today we learn week one from the Apostle Paul that we need to have a biblical perspective and it's a choice we make as Christians. Uh, we can either go stir crazy and get mad, get angry, get depressed, get anxious, or we can go the God route. We can listen to what God wants us to do and He is worthy of that. We are called as Christians to begin to see the world through a different lens. And when we do, listen, understand the byproduct of that is a joyful life because this life on this side of the grave, on, in this fallen world, Listen, on this side of heaven, this is a tough life. You will feel stuck at times. You will feel stir crazy. And in those moments, Paul tells us in the book of Philippians, we have choices to make. We can change what we're focusing on and thinking on. We can change who we believe this whole thing is about. We can focus on God. We can get rid of the distractions, that horizontal light, and we can go polarized, if you will. We can, we can begin to hear God's voice and listen to His truth and focus on His viewpoint for our lives. So godly perspective, I think, does three things. First of all, it enables you to see things that are hidden. If you will let God give you a new lens to see the world through, the, the lens of His kingdom, the lens of His sovereignty, the lens of Him using you, when you see the world that way, as Paul has described for us, thinking differently, praying taking it to God. When you do that, it will enable you to see things that are hidden. See opportunities you didn't see before. See people that need God that you didn't see before. See God's faithfulness in the middle of your tough situation, and that will lead you to joy. Secondly, it will empower you to tune out negativity and distraction. That's a very powerful tool that you and I have as Christians, to go vertical rather than horizontal, to listen to God's voice and not the myriad of voices telling us that everything's bad and we should be upset and down. Instead, focus on God. Paul made that choice. And then finally, a godly perspective establishes joy in the middle of hardship. It establishes that joy for us. It, that becomes our foundation. We begin to work from the platform of joy. That we go, our joy is God-given. It can't be taken from us. Our joy is not circumstantial. And we, when we begin to see the world through that lens... We have joy, and God uses us mightily. In fact, Paul ends the letter to the Philippians by bringing it back around to how God's using him. And I want you to hear this verse, Philippians 4, 21 to 23. It says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Now, this is at the end of the letter. He says, the brothers who are with me, that means the Christians, the people who have come to Jesus in prison with him, 
He says, they, they're with me. They greet you too. Watch this. All the saints here with him, Philipp, in prison, in Rome, in, in Roman imprisonment. He says, they're all greeting you too. Watch this. Especially those of Caesar's household. So without Paul being obvious about it, what's he saying here? Almost with a little wink, wink to his brothers and sisters in Philippi. He says, I want you to know something. I've been leading a lot of people to Jesus while I'm in this prison. And they're all, they all want me to say hello to you. Like several of my prison guards, they're Christians now. They want me to tell you hello from them. Greetings to you. All, all the way to Caesar's household. We're talking the very top of the top of the top of the government world of Rome. Paul had led many of them to Christ. Many of them are brothers and sisters. They know about him writing these letters. And they, these new Christians in Caesar's household, want Paul to tell the Christians in Philippi that they say hello, greetings. Man, this is unbelievable. And so my question is today, us, we all have circumstances that we feel imprisoned in, we feel stuck in. Are we going to go stir crazy? Or are we going to let God use us? Because if we'll let Him, when He orchestrates our getting stuck, when He allows us getting stuck, and He's sovereign over our lives, so that is the truth for us. Will we let him use us to grow the kingdom? Week one of Stir Crazy, we learn. Put on a new lens and let God use you to advance the gospel and grow the kingdom. And I pray today, no matter what you're going through, that you will see it through a different lens. God can do that for you today.